Welcome to Establishing Edge. I'm your host, Mike Leone, back for an edition of looking at underperforming skill players in this week's episode. Before we get into that, I want to note that this week's podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. As usual, we still have promo code ETR over Underdog Fantasy. So if you haven't um, deposited over there, first time depositors will get a match to their first deposit up to $100. So take advantage of that. Use promo code at Underdog Fantasy in their weekly DFS Battle Royale games and also get prepared. I'm sure we'll see an announcement on playoff best ball at some point in the near future over at Underdog Fantasy. Want to apologize for missing podcasts last week. Also won't have the Game Scores podcast this week that should be back next week with Adam Roush. Just been a real busy time with the NBA NFL overlap. Also, this weekend, I will be racing in the half marathon in Charlotte. So if anybody's down there, come say hi. It's been uh, a difficult training period. My training was going really well up until about six weeks ago. Did a 12-mile run at, at the pace I wanted to, but ended up hurting my, my hip flexor and my glute a little bit. About the same time I got sick, I uh, was sick for like a month, took a week off of getting sick, and then my son brought something home from school. So if you have kids, just just constant sickness. So it's been... It's been it's been tough between that and busy with work. So sorry for missing some podcasts, um, but I'm still looking forward to racing this weekend. Not sure what my strategy will be. Initially, I wanted to beat my PR, which was just under an hour and 39 minutes. It seems like that's probably not in the cards since I still have this cold and the training's been been tough while trying to get healthy at the same time the last six weeks with my glute and my hip flexor. But as Adam Levitan says, no excuses. Play like a champion. So I do have a race plan to at least give me some some chance of going out and setting a PR, although more than likely, I think uh, it's going to be one that I'm just going to try to try to enjoy if it's not my day. But you guys don't care about that. Let's talk about fantasy football, and we'll get into the underperformers. The RB model the last couple of weeks has been kind of middling, a lot of boring names on there. The biggest hit last week, of course, was Michael Carter. Um which wasn't a huge surprise. The model, of course, was catching up on the recent uptick in, in work with Brees Hall injured. And we do see, like, even in a tough matchup, if back has, you know, the requisite workload can get there with upside, he puts up 15.6 PPR points against the Bills. Um, but all, all in all, you know, not a super successful couple of weeks for the model. And do want to point out, um, as I've said before, I think the underperforming Babai Leone stuff's better for the pass catchers because um, th- the way the opportunity works and like the variance there, I think that type of model works better there. Whereas for NFL, some of these opportunities are players who are just kind of dust and we need these, we need to see regression and efficiency. And if you've got Najee Harris, whose dust role is diminishing, Jalen Warren's going to play more, it's a problem. You know, David Montgomery possibly dust. Cleo Herbert's cutting into that role, going to be a problem. We'll have more on David Montgomery this week, though, because I do have some optimism. But um, I think if you're going to take advantage of the underperformers, you, you really want to zone in on players who, A, were pretty confident that the workload is going to continue to be there even though they haven't performed well and be that they're 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 healthy um so so keep that in mind one player who was not on the model but has been an underperformer the course of the season joe mixon of course with the massive game against carolina and he was a bit more obvious as uh under the radar or not under the radar but underperformer 
player, but he definitely fit the role of like the health was okay. We knew that, you know, Samaj P. Ryan and Chris Evans were not cutting into that role at all. And, um, you know, it was only a matter of time. Whereas some of these guys who have failed, you know, Leonard Fournette, we've seen Rashad White cut into that role. Devin Singletary, we've seen some issues with James Cook. Now they traded for Naheem Hines. So that's been a problem. And we'll segue that into this week's list. And you see some of the same names because they continue to get kind of like, okay, opportunities, but, you know, they're not necessarily coming through the way that we want them to. Um, so Devin Singletary, I know I'm kind of off. Obviously you have the Josh Allen injury risk. We don't even know who's starting the game this week. It looks like, you know, it's trending towards being Case Keenum for Buffalo. So that's going to reduce some of the scoring expectation, although it could improve some of the goal line play calling for Singletary. That'd be the biggest plus for him. The other negatives though, is James Cook played early last week, uh, which is a sign that I think that, you know, the trade for Naheem Hines wasn't that they're out on James Cook. It was more that they wanted a guy for a specific role and they don't necessarily want Singletary doing all this pass catching, but they still want Cook's upside in there. So now you've got two guys battling for Singletary. So um, he's someone too that I think the model inflates a little bit because the team total is is, is one of the factors that we use. And generally running backs with high team totals, you can perform better than Singletary has where all his touches have come from. But Buffalo's somewhat unique in terms of where the uh, the high value touches come from um, and, and operates a little bit differently than, than high scoring offenses generally do. It's not as favorable to running backs despite how many points they put up on the board. Casey is also similar. You know, we saw Clyde edwards Lair on here, varying degrees of success to start the year. Uh, for Nat, even with Rashad White cutting in, I do think it's a good time to take advantage of him. I expect him to remain the lead there. I do still think the high-value touches for Fernet will be strong um, if this offense can rebound. It's a big if, but I do think they will ultimately rebound and be a bit better, and that starts this week against Seattle, of course, the Island morning game. Um, and then the other guy I want to mention, James Conner, immediately comes back and kind of takes over that the high value touches for the Cardinals, you know, was somewhat uncertain if it was going to be how much, you know, Benjamin would persist there after playing, you know, fairly well in James Conner's absence and showing a little bit more upside, but this team clearly prefers James Conner. He's going to catch passes. He's going to score touchdowns, kind of like a mini for not to a degree where, you know, high value touches should be there. Even if the efficiency isn't there, not the best spot in the world this week, but I do think Connor is kind of a forgotten man and could surprise down the stretch with some some high end fantasy performances. Okay, let's cut over to the pass catchers, uh, where there was a lot more success that was missed the last two weeks. Particularly, week eight was just like an absolute banner week for the uh, Bioleone. We've been hitting on AJ Brown as someone who he's gonna be fine almost every week. And there's going to be a week where he goes nuts. And we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. It finally came. He gets to a three-touchdown game, puts up nearly 40 PPR points. Um, We also had some good performances in week eight from Garrett Wilson, Kyle Pitts, Romeo Dobbs, um, CeeDee Lamb, Amonse Brown, Mike Evans, Zach Ertz. I mean, it was just just like a real real hit there. Um, Some guys in particular to talk about, though, with week eight and nine, Garrett Wilson is someone that on this show going into week eight, I said, I didn't really trust, even though he was on here and also just noted how low the bar was, you know, his last three fantasy points per game heading into week eight was 4.6, but he puts up 17.5 in week 
eight and then also you know came off the model but had a really strong week nine and it just goes to show you sometimes uh, having the objective model is better than uh, all the subjectivity that we try to put into things and garrett wilson has managed to have that success with zach wilson even though it wasn't there for a few weeks and then also zach Ertz just on this model like all the time but his role is insane i think he'll always be an underperformer because you know, his yards per target and his efficiency is unlikely to come up as bad as it is. But I think he'll always, he's, he's like, you know, top five tight end because the role is so good. I actually have him, if you combine wide receivers and tight ends, he has a top 10 expected fantasy points on the entire season. Um, That's how good his role has been. So he's getting a lot of balls that he's just going to have weeks like where he goes five for 40, gets you nine PPR points, but isn't so bad at tight end. So many red zone looks though, too. Um, And that's kind of, what we saw, you know, it's basically if he scores a touchdown, he's overperforming. If he doesn't, he's underperforming by a little bit. That's that's a pretty good dynamic, even if he's not going to have a huge, huge ceiling. So that's someone I was definitely wrong on prior to the offseason where I focused a little bit more on the skill side of things. And right now, you know, the opportunity is winning out from a fantasy perspective over the skill. Even though he's been bad, he's been good for fantasy, which um, was sort of the, the people who were pro Zach Ertz were correct on that side of the ledger mattering a little bit more uh, let's go to the list for this week and there's some names i want to mention here kyle pitts who's been up and down you know he was a big hit for us in week eight put us up 19 ppr points and then only puts up like four last week in total he's only averaging 9.2 over his last three fantasy points per game both the by leone and our weekly projection for him are in the double digits and with pitts it's going to be volatile, but it's worth noting this guy has 649 air yards, second most of the tight end position. Now, his expected fantasy points aren't nearly as high as Mark Andrews, who he's pretty close to in expected fantasy points. One, because you know the team total hasn't been the same. Two, the total targets aren't there. And as much as we like air yards, just catching the ball and raw volume of targets. Sometimes in, in some models that are purely looking at air yards, it gets lost and just how valuable racking up catches is. Again, you know, Zach Ertz kind of fits that role. And uh, red zone opportunities. You know, everyone who's above him, I think he's only like eighth among tight ends and expected fantasy points, despite having that air yards total that's an outlier at the position. And again, the total volume and the red zone volume in particular just hasn't been there. I've only got him with five red zone looks on the year. Now I am not including penalties and I know he's had like two or three callbacks from penalties. So it hasn't been quite that bad, but that's the explanation. Still week nine last week, 208 air yards. It's just absurd. It gives you a ceiling at the tight end position you don't have for other guys. My position on Pitts is yes, he's a disappointment. Um, I thought he was overdrafted at the time. Definitely looks overdrafted now, but he's still like a T six to me where like, you're going to have the really bad weeks like last week, but at least you've got the ceiling for a week, like two weeks ago. Game environment tonight against the Carolina Panthers doesn't look great. We got some weather going on. It could be a little bit of a run fast. So even if it doesn't happen this week, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to have your spike weeks for Kyle Pitts and he's run a little bit bad to start the year, even after accounting for the, you know, the unfortunate play calling from Arthur Smith. The other guy I want to hit on, Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, he has been somewhat disappointing between leaving the game early with injury a couple of times and he came back and he hasn't been that great. 
And then last week at the Hawkinson trade, you know, he was really chalky and didn't perform well at a bad efficiency game. It was also a game with a weird game script where, you know, Aaron Rodgers led some long drives and then threw interceptions at the goal line, which, you know, took plays run away from Detroit while simultaneously keeping Detroit in a positive game script. So it wasn't the most ideal um, spot for him as a pass catcher. Again, combination weird game script and then just didn't play that well. But 34.6% target share. Amon R. St. Brown is, you know, doesn't have, he's kind of like the AJ Brown thing I talked about. Like he's going to be fine almost every week and he's going to have some absolutely nuclear weeks. So definitely go back to the Amon R. St. Brown. Well, Devonta Smith on the list for this week and that Philly situation in general is going to be volatile. They're going to be really good, but because they're really good, you might not have enough total bulk volume for all three of the primary pass catchers to get there in a given week. Um, sometimes it's only going to be one guy and I would just fade the recency bias. We're going to see, you know, we saw Devonta Smith. I think it was week three, just go nuclear at like low ownership. Um, we're going to see another week where he goes nuclear. People are going to be focused on AJ Brown after the week eight performance, Dallas Goddard after the week nine performance, really smart time to go after Devonta Smith with the market. Um, you'll probably phasing him out a little bit. Final three guys I want to mention, but we have three Pittsburgh Steelers on the list. Now the Steelers, I mean, they just flood all these lists because they're a concentrated offense that sucks. So we get Najee Harris on the Bionia running back. We get all the pass catchers here for Pittsburgh. There's actually four Pittsburgh pass catchers. If you want to count uh, Chase Claypool, who's moved over to Chicago, but some of the Pittsburgh data influencing that, I do think, um, it's a good spot to target uncertainty. And, and I will include Claypool in that. I think for Pickens, Fryermuth, and Deontay Johnson, you lose Claypool. Um, you'll, I don't know if their roles change a ton, but they might change enough. And if they're just a little bit better than they've been, which you know maybe they won't be, they do kind of stink. But if they're a little bit better and you have a little bit more concentration, could mean really good things for Pickens, Fryermuth, and um Deontay Johnson. I know a couple of these guys on my list also line up with the rest of the season top 150 show that the guys just did. Mark Dinkenbring, Adam Levitan, and Jack Miller. I think Jack Miller's you know buy of the week transaction to make was to get him on Ross St. Brown. And for Mark Dinkenbring, it was Pat Fryermuth. Now, looking at the Chase Claypool side of things, it seems like a bad move from Pittsburgh to Chicago given the lack of pass attempts. But I think when you're in a spot with Claypool where he was meh, he was seeing volume, but he, was, he wasn't really startable because of lack of upside. You'll kind of take that reduction in, in median expectation for a hint of upside. Like what if it gets a little bit better? So I'm interested to see what he does in a good matchup against Detroit this week. And that reminds me, uh, Montgomery, I meant to talk about Montgomery a little bit more because he's also on the running back list this week. I actually think he's, and it's an, he's been getting the first two drives no matter what. So even though he's splitting with Khalil Herbert, it's like a hot hand thing. And Montgomery is at least solidified getting the first couple of drives. So in a really good matchup where they could be extremely run heavy, they're usually run heavy. I actually am into Montgomery this week, despite him also sort of representing some of the flaws of the, the running back underperformer model um, from a macro concept. So that's it for this week. Hope everybody has uh, a really successful week 10. And next week, I'll hopefully be back with this version of um, the Established Yet podcast episode as well as Game Scores podcast with Evan Crouch. So appreciate everyone taking the time to tune in.